The world is experiencing a climate emergency and mass nature destruction. No matter the international agreements, goals are not achieved. An unusual case last month proved that courts might not always protect corporations contributing to climate change. Six activists who caused damage to Shell's headquarters in London were given acquittal on the grounds that their actions were proportionate to the bigger harm caused by Shell's contribution to climate change. You go back to the root causes, it's the damage to the natural world that is happening because of the ways that we're doing things. Ecosystem destruction over decades is precisely what has led us to the situation that we're now in. Climate change is a symptom. That was Jojo Meta, co-founder of Stop Ecocide Foundation. Their campaign wants an international law that will stop the crisis by fighting its roots. In June, a new definition of ecocide will be crafted in hopes it will become the fifth international crime. The kind of working definition that we use in a very broad sense is mass damage and destruction of ecosystems. So serious harm to nature. We also would add, you know, widespread or severe or systematic or long term, you know, these kind of measures of quantity in a way that bring it up to the level of an international crime. For example, we wouldn't be talking about chopping down the trees on your village green as an ecocide. It needs to be something that is easily understood by everybody to be very serious. So, you know, you, you were talking about major deforestation, um, serious destruction of the seabed by industrial fishing, oil spills, for example, nuclear accidents, these kinds of large scale um, this nat uh, natural world destruction. And so when people kind of grasp ecocide as a concept in that way, it's very powerful because, of course, as soon as you understand it, you also know that it's wrong and you should stop it. Almost a decade ago, Polly Higgins, the corporate lawyer who started the foundation, was able to see her definition being tested in a UK mock trial. But this time around, things are different. So there have been several definitions in the past, including one or two that were intended for international crime level. There's two, two differences between those and what is happening now. Previously, it's tended to be in a lawyer or a group of lawyers who are wanting to advocate for, for ecocide crime and they have a certain idea of what that should be and what that should look like. Um, but what's different on this? This occasion is that the impetus for drawing this panel of, of, of um, top lawyers together actually came from the interest at the parliamentary level, where parliamentarians were contacting us and saying, look, this is clearly this is your area of speciality. Would you be able to commission, um, you know, some lawyers to actually come up with a definition that we could consider? to be able to move forward with this at the International Criminal Court. So you, you're actually, you've actually got this interaction between the political sphere and the response from the legal side, which is a new thing. And, it, and, it, and it's also what, it, you know, in a sense, what enabled us to attract some really top legal minds to this. Obviously, what needs to emerge from this drafting process is um, a definition that is of interest and potentially proposable by states. Previous environmental laws did not change how industries operate. Fines were paid, but the acts continued. With ecocide, CEOs can go to jail. If you're a war criminal, the likelihood is your own state is not going to prosecute you. So you're going to end up 
by default at the last the court of last resort which is the icc with ecocide it's largely not exclusively a corporate crime and what that means is that you know the the key actors within that corporation so the the ceos or the key decision makers can potentially be prosecuted in any country that has ratified that crime and that, that may well be more likely to happen than it is with something like war crimes or genocide the pr aspect is different with the ceo if they're going to be seen or prosecuted as a criminal, it's going to directly affect their stock value, their share price. The deterrent is effective in that um, arena. I spoke to Alex Whiting, professor of practice at Harvard Law School, former investigations coordinator at the International Criminal Court. Now member of the legal panel to draft a new definition, I asked him what the key challenges are. The ingredients are there. Um... But of course, we have to come up with the technical solution, and then there has to be political will to bring this about. Uh, and that's where there, there could be a major challenge. The new definition must be as close uh, as possible to the format of the ICC. What does that exactly mean? The crimes that are in the ICC statute, war crimes, crimes against humanity, genocide, and the crime of aggression are in there because they are thought to have cross-border, worldwide, international significance and concern. Number two, they're often crimes that have cross-border impact. These are crimes that don't occur just within a state. Often they occur across states. And number three, they tend to be crimes that come with the breakdown of a state. Because there's, this, there's no state there to prosecute them and deal with them, you need an international response. So the, 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 they're international in that way too. And so I think the crime of ecocide will have to um, address crimes that are of that of that character. What does it mean for ecocide to be sitting next to highly anthropocentric crimes? I reached out to another member of the legal panel with her area of expertise in human rights, Kate McIntosh, executive director of the Promise Institute for Human Rights at UCLA School of Law. The International Criminal Court is meant to try the gravest crimes. So we have to define ecocide in a way that matches the severity of a crime like genocide. The biggest challenge is thinking about how to uh, criminalise the acts contributing to climate change, because that is really a systemic problem, right? So all of us are contributing to climate change. Who is the most culpable? How do we determine who that is and how do we measure it? And, you know, that's one sort of conceptual problem. Um, one legal problem is that usually the crimes in the Rome Statute, are they, those crimes already existed. So those acts were already prohibited in national law before they were, you know, concretized into international crimes in the Rome Statute. So the acts that, that make up crimes against humanity or you know, genocide or war crimes are things like mistreatment of people or killing people, right? Things that are already prohibited in some way. With climate change, those actions, they're probably not criminal now. That's the problem, right? So it's about creating new crimes, and that is more difficult. But it's more difficult to get states to agree to criminalize behavior that's currently legal. The foundation considers plastic pollution as a factor in the crisis. I couldn't help but wonder how it would be dealt with. 
Single plastic use has increased during the pandemic, but how would COs be blamed as many actors contribute to it? It's not the most extreme problem, but the most extreme conduct or behavior. Um, normally, we prosecute and criminally people who are engaging in behaviors that are um, aberrant, that are that are different, for, that are unacceptable. If you criminalize behavior that everybody participates in, it 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 kind of defeats the meaning of criminal law. It is difficult to pin on particular people. I think there are certain circumstances where that would be possible. For example, if you have a company that is allowing huge amounts of plastic to be dumped in the sea, then yes, you might have a case there in terms of creating an ecocide. But in terms of, for example, the, the whole the phenomenon of littering, that is very difficult to capture. There have been arguments in tort law around the legality of placing on the market a product which intrinsically is damaging. Now, I I don't actually know exactly how that would interplay and interact with ecocide crime. Um, I'm not sure that that's something that can be pinned down in criminal legislation, but I actually think there's already scope from what I've understood within tort law to potentially address that issue. Tort law refers to civil wrongs relating to harmful behaviour. Are there evidence towards hurting people too? The International Criminal Court has been welcoming of organizations who have evidence to submit against perpetrators. In this case, a crime already existing in tort law about harmful products could perhaps make an ecocide involving them bigger. Plastic is almost as important as climate change. It's on the same page. Plastic is oil. Probably 20% of the ocean is already plastified. And I think plastic is part of ecocide. Plastic Soup Foundation in the Netherlands is currently studying ecocide law along with crimes against humanity of their own statute. The founder Maria Westerbos believes the upcoming research should serve as evidence that plastic pollution must be fought on an international level. As a foundation, we stop plastic pollution at the source wherever we can. And we are in health research and we, uh, we are doing dissemination for a lot of scientists worldwide on health effects of plastic to humans with an incredible reach worldwide. We could see how we can work with the ecocide combined with human health, uh, because I think that uh, together it's even more stronger. What we know now for certain is that the leakage of additives in these nanoplastics are very dangerous. They cause autism, Adeyade, uh, infertility. I am much more interested in research that is coming soon, which is about nanoplastics found in the womb. Because if the nanoplastics are proven, then we know the plastic is in the brain of the unborn child. But also soon there will be research about plastic in blood. And that will have a huge consequence in the way we think about uh, plastic, I hope. I think that it will be the start of a discussion that will go much further, further than it does now. The European Union cannot ignore that anymore. If it's more expensive to clean it up and to protect people against it, politics will start listening if this uh, evidence keeps piling up. Will people only be seen as the perpetrators in ecocide? 
Evidence against the well-being of people being endangered could open more cases of ecocide. Customer international law customizes behaviors and it includes the principle of humanity. I would say the principle of humanity underlies all international criminal law. Right? So there's a basic idea that human life is valuable and not just human life, but human dignity that I think is included in the principle of humanity. So that's completely crucial to the creation of international criminal law, right? That's what it's all about. So I think we come back to the question of whether ecocide is like a anthropocentric or ecocentric crime or whether it's maybe can join the two. It is not a question of whether an ecocide crime could address the shortcomings of the Paris Agreement. It is a question of whether states would agree to criminalizing climate change behaviors. Groundbreaking evidence for this to happen would be economical or highly linked to the principle of humanity of the Rome Statute.